I heard about a drought one time when it got so bad that the Baptists started sprinkling and the Methodists used a wet rag. <laughs> take our Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter number 9. I started this message last week, but I'd like to go a little further with it. I want to, uh, I want to talk about missionary praying, missionary prayer. Uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 9, I can't, I'm not, I can't go, I can't re-preach everything that we did last week, but I've got to bring some of these newcomers up to speed. Matthew 9, uh, beginning verse 35. <clears throat> and there he says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep and having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. And all I want to say about that is, God could do his work any way he wants to. You know, he could put a neon sign on a on a spaceship and and ever. I heard about a fellow at one of uh, one of the tent meetings that that woke up one. He came in late, sacked out in the tent meeting, woke up the next morning, and there was that sign, that neon sign, that said "Jesus saved." Jesus saved. And uh, by the time the preacher got there, he was under great conviction. Uh, just that sign was driving him crazy. Jesus saved. And he got saved. Amen. Jesus does save. Amen. He can do it any way he wants to. Because, but here, he saw people that fainted. They were powerless. And they were scattered abroad. They were aimless. They had no shepherd. They were hopeless. And he, he, he did not he had compassion. But here's what he said the method is. Laborers. There's got to be laborers. And he said our instruction is to pray for the laborers. And so we call them missionaries or we call them witnesses or preachers. or. And I wanted to talk about praying for the laborers. If you turn over to Romans, <clears throat> Paul lists the prayer needs. We just got through with our prayer list. It gets bigger every, every week. Here's Paul's prayer list for laborers. Verse 13, chapter 10. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Y'all believe that? Amen. It's true. But how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, 
and bring glad tidings of good things. So he lists these. I've got them listed here. There's the senders, there's the goers, there's the hearers, there's the believers, and there's the worshipers. Here's the way I figured it out. If you go backwards through this list, he started with the worshipers. I, it's on, but it's, it's on, but there you go. And we got it. If you go backwards from begin with verse 15 and go back to 13, he said, he said, uh, how shall they preach except they be sent? There's the senders. We saw them last week in Acts chapter 13. When, those, when that church prayed and fasted and laid hands on uh, Barnabas and Saul and sent them out, Paul, and sent them out as the first missionaries. There's the senders. That's us, church. The difference between the, the goers and the senders is they have, they have obeyed the call to go Everybody is not called, but everybody has a part in the laborers. And his, his advocate, his, uh, his admonition to us is you pray for the laborers. And so, we're the senders. Our prayers, our, our finances, we've got a list of 70-something uh, missionaries. You know, don't break yourself patting your back. I just read a 1960 report of this church today. Uh, Michelle found it somewhere. This church in 1960 had 70-something missionaries they were supporting. That's 50 years ago. I mean, we hadn't done any better than, we hadn't increased anything. And you see the problem? So, so there's the senders. We didn't be praying about us as senders, right? If we're still stagnant from a 1960 status, it's time for us to pray for that we get some more missionaries put on the field. Amen, brother. That's right. Then there's the goers. He said, How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? So we can send, but we can't do the preaching. The goer has to do the preaching. We call them missionaries. God calls them laborers. And then, uh, then there's the hearers. He said, "They'll, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? But if we are the senders and we've sent them and the goers have gone, now the preaching, the beautiful feet of the preachers is is the." delivering the good tidings of the gospel. And over there somewhere, somewhere, somewhere is the hearer. You know, Paul Paul heard the Holy Spirit three times say you can't go into Asia. And then he had a vision of Troas. And standing over there on the bank of Europe, was a hearer saying, come over and help us. And they saddled up and didn't stop till they got there so they could preach to him and he heard. And they heard and they heard and they heard. And one day we heard. It came through Europe. It came to us. We heard. 
And if we, and then there's the believers. I'm going to deal with all these folks in a minute. The believers are those that get saved. It said, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? After you hear, it's time to believe. If you don't believe, you can't be saved. Salvation is not by joining the church. Salvation is not by baptism. Salvation is not by paying tithes. Salvation is not by dressing up and putting your tie on. Salvation is simply by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. So there's the there's the believers, and then finally you end up in verse 13 where he said, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved people call on the name of the Lord. We pray, we worship the Lord, we bow before the Lord, we honor Him. That's the mark of the hearer who believes and trust Him for salvation. It's simple, isn't it? Somebody was sent. Somebody heard. Somebody went. Somebody heard. Somebody that heard believed. And now we worship. So, last week we dealt with the senders. I'm not going to say any more about the senders than I've already said. I want to talk about the goers. Over in Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> you know, we've got the idea, or some of us have got the idea, at least I've had the idea in my... Hey, when you talk, when you say Paul the Apostle, what do you think? We we want to say superhuman, super intellect, super abilities. But that's not what Paul said over in Ephesians chapter six. After, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter six is the armor chapter. How many times have you heard a preacher say this? If you're saved, if you're saved, you can expect to be attacked. That devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You ever see one of them, uh, one of those animal shows where the lions attack the oxen or or the antelopes or something. You ever see that? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Those lions never attack the big bull of the herd. Right? In fact, they don't attack the herd. Who do they attack? The stragglers. The little old weak, wimpy, Christians that out on the edge somewhere. Got my feelings hurt. I won't go to church next week. And that line is waiting to attack. And so, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I think it does. So here's Paul. And Paul has Paul said up in verse number uh, 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. You'd have to study the whole book of Ephesians to get to, to that point. But he's talked about having, having the leadership of the Lord and being in the will of God. And he's talked about coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. And, and now he says... Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You can't whip you can't whip the devil, and I can't either. 
He's stronger than we are. Look at, the, look at this one. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Have you ever, have you ever seen a picture of the armor? Armor is not offensive weapons. Armor is defensive weapons, right? I mean, you can rub up against somebody with your armor on, may not even hurt them. That armor's not for them, it's for you. So if you're trying to do battle with the devil and you don't have the armor of God, you can't stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 11. But if you are a Christian, you have every right to every piece of the armor and he's going to give you all those pieces. I'm not, I'm not going through that. But, it, but you go all the way from 10 and 11 all the way down to 17 before you ever get an offensive weapon. And the first offensive weapon he gives you is the sword. The Word of God. You remember Jesus defeated the, the devil in, in the wilderness with nothing but the Word of God. Four times. So the first piece of offensive uh, weaponry we have is the Word of God. But look at the second one. Praying always, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There's a lot of alls in that verse. But what he, said, what he said in that verse is, we not only pray for ourselves, but we pray for the laborers. We pray for the goers. We who are the senders, we are the stay-at-homers, we're the, we're, while we're praying for ourselves, we need to be praying for those who go onto the battleground. And uh, so, look and look at this. That, that's not the end of the sentence. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Perseverance means keep on praying. Supplication means keep on asking. For all saints, now here's Paul. Here's the great Apostle Paul, super, super Apostle Paul, right? No. Here's what he says. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Uh, and he goes on to say some other things. So, so what's he saying? <clears throat> I need, I think I need one more verse. Make known the mystery of the gospel. Listen to verse 20 now. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. Every once in a while I send out a prayer letter and one of my requests in every letter I send is for uh, that prayer. That God would give me utterance. You know every one of us, if, you're, if, you're, if you go to school, young people, you ever want to be a witness for the Lord and you just can't get your mouth open and say anything. Every one of us have. You know, it's it's kind of strange, isn't it? The waitress at, at the restaurant, and you want to be a witness, and you sneak a track in as you give a tip, but you don't say anything. 
He said, if I'm an ambassador, here's what Paul said, if I'm an ambassador, then then I need to speak boldly as I ought to. Well, if he ought to, we ought to. Wouldn't you say? But we never will until we got our prayer life in the right ring. So, so uh, missionaries are not angels. They're not supermen. They need our prayers. We need our prayers. Everything you say about a missionary, you can say about every one of us. We're all we're all to be witnesses of Christ wherever we are. Here's what the missionary. This I'm taking this off a missionary letter. Brother Varghese sent this letter. He said a missionary, no matter how great he is, is lonely when he's on the field. Think about this. He's left his home. He's left his friends. He's left his family, and now he's over there. Y'all ever hear of missionary burnout? I mean, the missionary does his deputation. He's gone through, gone to the churches. He's raised his support. And finally it comes the day that he ships out. I was thinking about the tunnels the other day. They were out here fixing up their, what do you call that thing? Container. container. Fixing up their container. And they were putting stuff in, taking stuff out. And I thought, I, I was thinking about that family is going down there to be with David. Same town, same place. They've been down there one time and they just all they know about the place is they rented, I mean everything they've told me is they rented a, a, a place. They've got a place to live. That's all they know really know about Argentina. Now you think about it, they're leaving their family, they're leaving all their friends, they're leaving all these churches where folks have been so gracious to them, and they're going to go down there to people who are going to look cross-eyed at them, and, and they will be uh, foreigners. They can't speak well, they can't communicate too good. They, when they get there, they're going to be the, the odd duck at everything they, everywhere they're at. They'll be the one that's, that's not in step with the society. He says, the missionary is lonely on the field. His spiritual problems are numerous, but they're problems he can't share with his members. Uh, here, if if a preacher gets in trouble, there's a he can get on the phone, talk to a preacher across the way, or go see somebody. Go to one of the, we we have fellow. Hey, it does, I one of the great. Places of encouragement for me is to I get to come to church. I get to have a Sunday. I get to have a Wednesday night. I get to I get to fellowship with my kind of people who have kindred spirits with me, and we can bond and talk and be strengthened. One with another, but that missionary can't do that. Sometimes a preacher can't do that. And you know, every one of us have physical problems and psychological problems and separation from problems. I, hey, Larry Morgan, Linda. I've known them for 40 years now. Their their heart is like our heart. They've got kids and they've got grandkids. They've got family. 
You know, we live apart from our grandkids. But we have a hope that we'll see them every two or three months or something, you know. He's been there five or six years now under that lawsuit and can't come home. He's bound down in Ghana, West Africa. His 16-year-old granddaughter is, is facing terminal cancer. Put yourself in his shoes. How would you like to be there? I mean, the church is dependent on him to hold it together. Those, those underminers are trying to destroy everything that's been done on the mission field for 15 years. And he's the, only, he's the only hope they have to keep it together. He's got to stay there. He can't leave. But that's his granddaughter. And she is a beautiful little girl, wasn't she? I don't think I ever... I, I took her picture out today. And besides, and then you have some of those nationals may be a little hostile. Another gringo coming down here going to tell us what to do. Or can you see old brother Tunnel get up? He can't speak good language. And he his whole his whole reason for going is to transfer the gospel to people that don't understand the gospel. What if there's a misunderstanding? What if they take offense at what he preached because he didn't preach it with in the right You understand? I turned the whole meeting upside down with with the word hog dog down there in Mexico. I mean, we were in the middle of a sermon and I was talking about having the determination of a hog dog. You understand that, don't you, Bob? You understand that, don't you, Alan? I mean, when that hog dog locks on, he's not turning loose. It doesn't matter what that what doesn't matter what that hog does. He's going to hang on. And I was trying to get that across to us as Christians. But instead my interpreter said, hot dog. <laughs> and that, and that somebody over there said, no, not hot dog. He said, hog dog. And, and it went around the room. When you, it's easy to have a misunderstanding when you have language differences. You know what? You know what tunnels need more th as much as they need financial support. You know what they need? They need our prayers. They need somebody to pray for the laborers down in Argentina. You know, uh, old David. And probably not David as much as his wife. David was raised there. He understands missionary work. But you get homesick. You're away from home. So, so pray for the senders, but pray for the goers. And then pray for the hearers. Brother Varghese says it's one thing to gather a crowd, but it's not easy to gather a crowd to hear the gospel. If you come up here and pass out Bibles on Saturday, you'll understand that a little better. 
They'll whip in here for a Bible. They don't mind doing that. But it's hard to get them to come for the gospel. And I'm awfully careful about how much pressure gospel I put on them in their car. I don't want a false profession. I don't want somebody just to say yes just because I'm talking to them through a window. I, if they don't have enough gumption, if there's, if, it, if there's not enough unction of the Holy Spirit to get them into the church house, what are they going to do with it next week, next month, next year? I don't want to give them any false hopes. I want them to get the real deal. It's hard to gather a crowd to hear the gospel right out here in good old USA. Here's what he says. But see, Romans ten seventeen said, Faith comes by hearing. And they said, and that our verse said over in Romans chapter ten, How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? There has to be a hearing. There's got to be that hearing. Uh, And here's what he says. Difficulty in understanding the gospel message is a common problem. It's a problem here. It's a problem on the mission field. Uh, It's you go to the out there to people that live in in polygamy and idol worship and drunkenness and and I, idolatry. That's pretty common in the people that missionaries deal with, isn't it? Getting more common all the time right here. You see the problem? You've got to get them past a misunderstanding. You've got to get them to a place. The Bible says, Second Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this world has blinded their minds. So they cannot understand. They can't get the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do about it? We're going to pray for the hearers. That's what he says. Pray pray for me that I might be able to speak, but pray for them that they may be able to hear. They can't believe if they don't hear. Could I say, it's not all idol worshipers and drunks. There's intellectuals. There's pride-filled There are self-righteous people that every one of us deal with, some of them in our own families. I used to teach the ABCs of, of salvation to junior boys. That A says you've got to admit you're a sinner. The offense of the gospel is for you to say, I am a dirty dog. Remember what Paul said? I'm the chief of sinners. When I was in when I was in junior high, we met in a World War II barrack building out there on an old dusty uh, empty lot. Uh, we did the we'd outrun the school building, and back in those days, you didn't float a bond for for junior high kids. And so we had no playground equipment. We didn't have a playground, really. And what we would do at recess is you'd gobble your sandwich down and, and get out there fast as you could. And, and, the, and the deal was we'd run and tag up home base. And the first tag is first batter, second batter, third batter. Somewhere along there, it's catcher, pitcher, first base, second base. And if you didn't get there before everything filled up, you'd be out there the whole 
uh, lunch hour were not able to play. I mean, somebody had to be put out for you to go on. Y'all ever play work up? That's, that's all we did. That was our whole game. Well, look here. Paul's run out there and tagged home base, and he said, Chief of Sinners. Sometimes I think I ought to say Chief of Sinners. First sinner, second sinner, third sinner, fourth, huh? Way out there in the outfield, I hadn't even heard the gospel yet. Sinners. So what he's saying is, pray for the hearers. Now go over to Matthew chapter number 13. The next group is the believers. In Matthew 13, it's probably the greatest parable that Jesus, of all of them that he told, at least it's probably the best known, and that's the parable of the sower. I don't have the text on them, but there's two places that you need to look for when you read about the sower. One is about uh, the seed. I think it's in Luke that it says the seed is the Word of God. But over here he says... uh, Well, I... The seed and the soil. Here in here in uh, Matthew, let's see if I can find my place here. I'm in uh, thirteen. Yeah, I was over in the explanation. Uh, yeah, 18 is the parable of the sower. Here's what I wanted to show you right here. There's a, there's different kinds of soil. There's the uh, he says in nineteen uh, now let's go back over here to verse number five. Verse four said he sowed some seeds. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Susie and I sow seeds and we lose seeds and all kinds of stuff. But some fell by the wayside. There's the wayside soil. There's some of you sitting right here. You've heard enough gospel in your life to be saved ten times. But you're not saved because it fell by the wayside. For some reason you have not, you've heard it, but you have not believed it and accepted it and been saved. It's fallen by the wayside. He's going to say the birds will come and pick it away when he explains it. Then then he said, and some fell on stony places. That's where that seed will lay there just a little while. And it may even put a root down, but, but it won't live because there's no heart. There's no full belief of the gospel. I mean, I, I got the idea, and maybe I even joined the church. But there's no, no depth. There's no production in my life. That's, I'm not trying to preach this. I'm just trying to show you the different soils. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns. <clears throat> I would call... 
I would call this thorns. Filthy video games. Too much TV. The movie industry in America. Your telephone with all that pornography on your telephone. And a hundred other things that can separate you from the gospel and keeps that gospel from, from penetrating your heart. Yep. But other, verse 8, but other soil, other seed fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Somebody said something to me about Wesley Bearfield tonight. I, I, I said something to Andrew. I remember the first time I ever saw him, he came to a meeting with his uncle, who is a great preacher, Ronnie Bearfield. And uh, he came with Uncle Ronnie as a 14, 15 year old boy. And there was good ground that had already received a, a, the seed. Can you get it? He was not the preacher. But he had good ground and the seed had already been planted. And he was hungry for the things of God. He, was, he wanted to be around the people of God. He wanted to stay under the shadow of that great preacher that was his uncle. And all I heard all week was Uncle Ronnie, Uncle Ronnie. In fact, I got to where I'd step up beside old Ronnie Barefield and I'd say, Uncle Ronnie... And he'd say, shut up. <laughs> I'm talking about not the, not the hearer, not the goer, not the sender. I'm talking about the believer. Somebody who will hear the gospel. Do you, hey, do you understand this? Jesus died for your sins. That's the gospel. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every one of us were sinners. But it's only as we will believe that He is our Savior and trust Him with our whole heart. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. That's the first move. Then with a mouth, confession is made to salvation. There's got to be a belief. That seed's got to penetrate some good ground. And if your heart is too distracted with yourself or with the sins around you, it'll never penetrate your heart. So, let's see. I'm just trying to skim it. <clears throat> Then let's talk about the worshipers. Well, let's let's see here. I want to read before we go there. I want to go to First Timothy. First Timothy chapter two. I want to I want to see what. Hey, church, I believe we ought to pray this prayer right here, right now on good ground. I exhort, therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, 1 Timothy, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. There's four divisions of your prayers. Supplications, that's asking for. John R. Rice wrote a book said that prayer is nothing but asking and receiving. Think about it. If you don't ask, you don't receive. That's supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 
We need to pray that prayer. Verse 2, we need to pray that prayer in America today. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come into a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop reading there. I read one more verse than I said I was going to. Over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. The worshiper. We who are saved. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. We have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we command. And so, Lord, direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting. Pray for us. Pray for Pray for these deacons and, and uh, leaders in our church. Pray for these ladies who teach the uh, classes. And pray for the youth that are here that have that good seed and good ground. Pray for, the, pray for us. That's what he said. Pray. We need prayer. The worshipers need prayer. If the worshipers don't pray, there will be no sender. If there's no sender, there's no hearer. If there's no hearer, there's no believer. If there's no believer, one day they'll close the doors on this place. And there'll be no worshiper. What a... You say, I don't know what to pray for. Well, the ultimate prayer is that God will be able to... Plant churches. Over in, over in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to that lady at the well, of, uh, at Jacob's well, the well of Sychar. 4.23 says, The hour cometh, and now is, when, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He's not, he's not seeking a great song, song singer. He's not pre- seeking a great preacher with great intellect. He's just looking for a heart that, can, uh, that has good seed planted in good ground and will let that Spirit burst forth in, in the worship of the truth of the Word of God and, and the, the truth that Jesus is a Savior and the truth that God directs us every day. Worship Him. He's our, he not only created us, He keeps us. Every bit of the creation is, is in His hands. Worship Him. He saves us with an everlasting salvation. And hey, we might get run over by a turnip truck before we get home and be in heaven before it gets midnight tonight. You better know you're saved. You better know that God is your Savior. You ought to be worshiping Him for the fact that I am saved and I can't get unsaved. He saved me completely. Okay, here's four things to pray for. Pray that the new believers get rooted and grounded in their newfound faith. Pray that they'll understand their high calling and inheritance in Christ. Pray that we be able to nurture the babies in Jesus. It's a privilege, but it's a responsibility. If we get them saved, we've got to care for them till they can get their feet on the ground and walk. Amen. 
Pray for new churches, new leaders. I'm praying, you know, we've been in this preacher search. I never realized the barren barrenness of preachers until this until we've come to here. God raise up some preachers right here in this church. We've got some young men that are that are all they need is just more preaching, more study, more time, and they'll be, and they can become preachers. Pray. Pray for pray for somebody to be raised up to stand right here so I can go on and back to do something that some of the thing that I need to do. I've got some fields I need to be in. You got fields you need to be in. Pray that pray that the helpers will come up. May not be able to be a missionary. May not be able to be, even be a preacher. But you can go to your knees and pray. You can pray for the laborers. Well, thank, thank you, Brother Varghese, for the outline. I'm going to preach it again somewhere sometime. <clears throat> I think I'm thankful that the young people were here tonight. I'm glad for our young people. I'm glad that we've got some young people that love the Lord and serve Him. Andrew was one of them just not long ago. Andrew, we're glad you're here. Y'all turn around and look at that old big boy over there. That fat cat from Houston. If y'all... If y'all just follow his steps, he graduated out of the youth department, graduated out of the college right here in this church. Look at him. He's a rich Texan now. <laughs> Pray for one another. Pray for the laborers right here in this church. Andrew, won't you lead us in word of prayer? Thank you for just the ability to come and worship you tonight and just for the many blessings you've given us. Um, pray that we would uh, take these words to heart, Lord, and just pray pray for others and, uh, and pray for our missionaries and uh, believers and Lord, that we just grow closer and closer to you. Pray for this church as they look for pastor. We'll just live and guide them and pray for the rest of this week. Uh, we would just, uh, our lives would point to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 We're dismissed.